You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. Man, last night was fun. Once again, another amazing Thirsty Thursday virtual hang. Huge cheers. Huge thanks to Aaron from Colliterous and Annihilator for being there as my co-host. It was so much fun. He's so funny. If you have ever hung out with Aaron, you know that you're in for a good time, and last night was no exception. So much fun. Super funny. Always love to have him around. I love Thirsty Thursdays. It is something that uh, I'm super proud of, something that I am uh, in awe of, and I can't wait till next week's already. So uh, you should join us next Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the uh, upcoming Vox and Hoff's Thirsty Thursday Virtual Hang. We'd be stoked to have you with us. On today's episode, I'm with Christian Hecker of Ahab. Here it is, Vox and Hoff's episode number 164. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm with Chris Hector of Ahab, and I am super stoked to be with you. You guys just released a live album called Live Prey via Napalm Records, and I'm super stoked to to have the chance to sit down and to pick your brain a little bit. But uh, before we talk about this new revisiting of an album uh let's touch on uh, what's happening in this crazy world that we live in there's a few things that i'm wrestling with with covid19 right now at first i spoke a lot about coping with social isolation us being musicians we're so used to being out in the world and being amongst people so i'm wondering how you have dealt with that and then a secondary question because i know that you live in germany so i know you guys have started deconfinement a bit earlier than over here in north america where i'm from and we are just starting to deconfine right now and i'm struggling with that so i'm wondering how you have coped with social isolation and are dealing with deconfinement yeah i mean um i think it was it was like um it was like okay in germany i mean for some people it wasn't probably but for me it was okay because i mean um i still had my job um uh, i was still able to go to uh, work um i mean of course we had home office as well and uh we switched from week to week so uh in the office there weren't that much people so um you had half of the people at home and half uh in the office and um of course i have my family right here i mean my son uh my little daughter uh my girlfriend and uh so I mean that helps a lot and um we have like a little uh place in front of the house where we can go out and um actually in Germany I mean you were allowed to go for a walk for example I mean in Spain and Italy it was like really shut down you couldn't leave the house and I think that would be hard for me too um so I mean I was fine um of course it was strange like to not meet your friends uh like in the evenings um i used to meet uh, a good friend of mine um who's a photographer uh we always went out to like for a bar um in the evening from time to time and that just didn't happen and um so uh and what what's what really uh was shitty was that we were just about like to write new uh music for our album and we just 
couldn't meet so um and we're not the bunch of guys that like uh, like send us mp3s or something like that so i think that that was shitty but um the rest was actually for me okay that's good to hear that's good to hear and it is good to hear that you still write in a room versus it's it's very interesting all the people that i've spoken to over the past uh, year and especially now during covid to hear how many bands have flourished almost because they never jam in the same room together whatsoever so it's a uh, refreshing to hear that you guys still have a, a funny to say an old school approach to composing new music <laughs> yes i mean we're all guys so nope uh, well um of course we compose uh riffs at home uh, but i mean the songs they just work when when we're like in our rehearsal room and of course it, it can be that one says ah oh, that shit we don't take that and that's frustrating but that i think that that's part of being a musician in a band um so um yes probably we're a bit old school yeah probably you're right and i can also imagine it ties in with the genre too as opposed to let's say an extreme technical death metal band such as my band cryptopsy Uh, you guys can, you know, every, parts change very quickly. So it's a riff into a riff into a little bit more of a riff. And then when we get together in a room, maybe we can feel it at that point that it needs to be repeated longer. But in a doom metal band, you know, you guys write a few riffs and then you just vibe it out. So so to yeah. do that, to do that via MP3 by yourself and not have that whole band feeding off of each other, uh, feeling and vibe, I can imagine that it is, it has to be in a room together. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, I actually remember uh, back in the days when I was a student at uh, university and uh, a friend of mine uh, was really into like uh, hardcore death metal uh, technical stuff and um, he brought me actually to your band, Cryptopsy, and uh, I always was like, how the fuck can they play <laughs> this stuff? <laughs> and uh, um But I realized, I mean, it's it's really hard to play uh, technical death death metal stuff like Cryptopsy or uh, the new gent bands, for example. Uh, but it's fucking hard to stay like straight if you play that slow, because um, I mean, if you fuck up in a real fast song, it sounds a bit shitty. But if you fuck up in a slow song, it sounds just horrible shitty. And, um, <laughs> I remember our first album, uh, our first uh, uh, shows, and it was horrible because we we were not used to play that slow, and um, now we're like. So yes, I mean, um, I think um, I don't know. I mean, uh, um, bass player and um, uh, drummer uh, are playing in kind of technical death metal band too in the same rehearsal room, and um, and they're a bit old school as well and i think they play together uh in the rehearsal room too so i think there's just many ways of like writing music i mean everything goes absolutely are you guys like have you evolved to like an in-ear system when you're on stage where you have like a click to keep you guys together or is it all just pure feeling and a sense of cohesion well we um we used to play without click um But then um, I think it started when Roadburn Festival asked us to, to play our first album, uh, which is now is uh, the live album. And um, 
Back then, uh, when Daniel and me just uh, were in this tiny uh, home studio and recorded this stuff, uh, Daniel had this little keyboard and he also uh, knows how to play p piano. So um, we had keyboards on the first album. And um, we just didn't want to get anyone involved in our band because it's, like you say, some kind of microcosmos. And um, so that was the first time we needed to play click but only the drummer plays to click we're like the the rest is uh, just like hearing what, what uh, cornelius uh, plays and just like yeah so nowadays we we play with click actually yes it's definitely something that is on my list of things to do to evolve a cryptopsy experience live experience uh, so uh kudos to you guys for doing it and i can feel i can totally imagine <laughs> as slow as you guys go and as tight as you guys are that it has to be just absolutely perfect and that's a uh, perfect steps in that direction of course you're n never you're like absolutely perfect but I, i actually remember a show um that's why we hated clicks back then it was in oslo i think it was our third show and uh the click went over the pa no yes that, that's <laughs> <a> horrible. <laughs> yeah no no good front of house right there yeah, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends and talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. What beer do you have on your side there, Chris? Share with me now. I uh, just discovered that uh, some weeks ago. Um, it's uh, like um, Cold Sunday. Um, but the the fun fact about this beer, they have like a beer that's called Monday, oh, Tuesday, cool. Thursday. Yeah, and, cool. so, and this one is a pale ale um, for Sunday. I mean, it's Saturday, but never mind. <laughs> and this is a, a brewery from uh, Munich, Germany. I mean, like Bavarian beer is probably one of the most uh, famous ones besides uh, Belgian beer. Um, and it's, it, it has, uh, I mean, you, you probably know the German purity law with uh, stuff like that. But they manage uh, just by adding uh, great hops um, to add this this kind of grapefruity uh, fruit style into this one and um, of course this is not a beer like to drink all evening long this is uh, something that you should uh, just like enjoy and um, probably like put a put a vinyl on and just drink it with yeah i mean not not just to get drunk but like to enjoy it yeah so uh, i really like that one and i love this uh, this really yeah like I mean, it's minimalistic uh, outfit, and I really like that. Yeah, the can art's super dope. Everyone at home, it's it's just like a nice yellow, and it just simply says Sunday Pale Ale. Who's who's the brewer of that one, Chris? It's uh, called Brewers and Union. I think they actually are called just and Union uh, in the internet. Perfect. And the next one I I will drink is uh, another Bavarian brewery. Um, It's called Akobroi. These these are so nice. These little bottles. Um, and this one, this beer is called Mosa Liesel, uh, which is kind of Bavarian um, fun, and it's uh, like a lager beer. And I really love that one. I think it's uh, not the smallest brewery, but it's not one of the big ones. And um, in Germany, we say this is a Helles. That's right. Is, uh, just like um, yeah. A blonde beer, and um, I love that. I just 
I think it was a year ago when I uh, discovered that brewery. So yeah, I just uh, have to open the bottle now. Go for it. And as you do that, I'll introduce my beer. Uh, I am going to be drinking Bench Brewing Company's Short Hills East Coast IPA. This is a uh, cool little brewery out of Niagara Falls, Ontario, and they are mostly known for making wine. So this is a like a beer company in wine country, they keep saying, and uh, I'm stoked about this. A huge shout out to... Uh, Daniel Sauvé for uh, hooking me up with uh, some of these bench brewing companies because uh, he works for Transbrew and Ushlag. And here in Quebec, they are distributing a whole bunch of amazing breweries from across Canada, including Bench Brewing Company. And I'm stoked to try this. So I'm going to crack it on my side. Tell me about beer. Being from Germany, uh, I know you guys have such a rich culture in beer. I know it's a part of your heritage. It's a part of your family. Do you remember your first beer? Uh, I don't remember my first beer, but I remember my first time being drunk, <laughs> which wasn't that nice. No, but um, I remember my dad uh, drinking beer with these uh, big mugs with the yes. um, like a stein with the with the top. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, something like that. And um, he always uh, had this Distelhäuser, which um, I think is a horrible beer, but. Uh, <laughs> some like it um i think my first beer was like a mixture of uh, like beer and some lemonade which is called radler in germany very popular over here now yeah in yeah, canada yeah. and the united states yeah and um later on uh i remember when uh we we were like a bunch of punk uh kids uh on in in, in this little town i grew up and uh, we always had uh, Eichbaum beer, which is also not the best beer. But uh, <laughs> um, and the fun thing is, um, I don't know. We we had uh, this little bet going on with uh, Daniel, the singer, and me. And I was like, uh, okay, so what am I gonna get? And he was uh, like, okay, you get a six pack of this old Eichbaum beer. And we met at uh, the rehearsal room of right after we were allowed again. And had this old shitty beer of our youth. And uh, so, yeah, I think Eichbaum beer is, is probably my first beer. Uh, I remember being like with my punk friends listening to punk music back then. And that, that, that was just great memories. That's awesome. The beer of your youth, which leads in perfectly to my next question. The Ben Short Hills East Coast IPA is absolutely delicious. Exactly what you want in a nice afternoon beer for myself uh, it is a uh, juicy tangy tropical it pours out in a beautiful hazy opaque color it clocks in at a 6.5 percent which is perfect for 4 p.m for me uh speaking of uh, your youth what would have been the soundtrack of your youth when you were growing up in your parents or guardian's house what music was playing when you were not in control of the music well, um, actually, I remember uh, my father had this reel-to-reel uh, -reel, uh, stuff. I, I bought almost the same one, and it stands right there. Wow. And uh, I remember, um, I don't know if you know Billy Cobham. It's uh, like an absolutely great drummer. Uh, it was Jazz Fusion, and um, he was um, one... At least it said he was one of the inventors of playing fast double bass, uh, double bass stuff on on drums and um, uh, on on the same reel uh, there was also uh, Black Sabbath, um, I guess. And um, so these two uh, 
were playing when when my father was like uh, showing me music and Scorpions like uh, Still Loving You stuff stuff like that. Um, I remember uh, when when Scorpions uh, played this particular song on Wacken Festival like I don't know ten years ago or something. I was almost like up in tears because it was so oh my god I see them live you know I I'm not that much into Scorpions but this was really like uh, emotional for me. They had a bunch of hits, of course, like. Yeah, big city nights and stuff like that, of course. Um, and other than that, I mean, um, my father also uh, brought me to like uh, Wilson Pickett, more like the soul stuff, uh, soul side of music. And uh, well, we had uh, we had uh, ABBA playing stuff like that. So I really love ABBA to till till now. Um, Best songwriters out there, that's for sure. Yeah, of course. Um, and I, th I think they they it was the fundament for like me uh, liking so many kinds of music so I'm I'm um nowadays I, I'm more and more getting back to like this broad var variety I mean like back when I was 16 to 24 or something like that uh most of the times I listened to like metal and like uh, more like uh, gothic stuff and so on and but nowadays I'm I'm pretty much again into any kind of music, so yeah. Well, it's the formative years, right? You you end up becoming you find something that identifies to you, and then you become an elitist <laughs> until you you finally realize that it's okay. You can like this stuff that is you, but you can also like something else, and you can still be yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I I remember like back in the days when. When uh, people were listening to Slayer, uh, and I was like the the real hard death metal guy, and I was laughing about Slayer, you know, something like that. It goes that far. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's funny, but I I think that that's part of like being like in in some kind of subculture, like to shut you off from from any other uh, kind of music and from other people. Yeah, it's 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 why cults work. Yep. <laughs> the uh take me to your first show. Do you remember the first show that you went and saw? The first show I went and saw, I think I think that might be yeah, I think it was Genesis actually back wow, then yeah. in the 90s. Um but it w I mean of course it wasn't like uh, with Peter Gabriel back then. Uh it was like the weekend dance show. <laughs> um those were the times when Phil Collins was like uh like bashed by everyone um but i think Phil Collins is one of the most genius uh like songwriters i mean of course he did like so many like cheesy stuff in the 90s but back in the 80s that were really and in the 70s of course i mean with genesis um and he's he's an aw awesome uh drummer too he was he um so yeah, that was the first show, and it was pretty much impressive uh, for me because, um, I mean, yeah, it it was like such a huge concert, and it was the first I ever I ever been to. So that was great, and uh, I still uh, like uh, Genesis uh, pretty much um, nowadays a bit more, like the '70s stuff, uh, not that much uh, the '80s, but there are also '80s songs I like and. Um, Actually, I've I've been to Phil Collins last year, and um, it was, yeah. I mean, he, he can't he can't just 
sing. I mean, he he can sing, but he doesn't get up there, and um, so it was a bit like, oh, poor guy. But yeah, what can you do? You everybody grows older. Um, yeah, so that's why we have to stop. We're at the peak of our performance. Yeah, and then just never do it again. <laughs> yeah, that's the secret, sadly. But I <laughs> shout out to Phil Collins for still doing it, and he yeah. is he is a master. And uh, maybe it was just a bad night. And who knows? Uh, let's transition to your first time on stage. My first time on stage, I remember that really well because uh, it was a punk band, and all of the guys that played with me in that band. Yeah, they they couldn't play. <laughs> it was just like I mean, you know, I, w I was the guy that played Metallica in in uh, at home and uh, played like horrible uh, punk music, um, and it was uh, called Tequila Bar, <laughs> and uh, it was just like I mean, I I think we didn't even play a real song that night because. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like they they just couldn't stay in rhythm and they didn't get everything right and uh later that day um the um an amp fell over and the whole electricity in this uh whole uh bar went just nuts and it was dark yeah but it was great and my i don't well after that i played in in another band uh called uh what was the name I think uh, Lawnmower's Death or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, and well, these these was a bit more like I I, I wasn't really into that kind of music. And uh, I think my first band uh, where I uh, enjoyed playing live was um, Penetralia back then. Uh, that was my first uh, time playing uh, music with Daniel, uh, the singer of Ahab, and that that was cool. Um, Yeah, and afterwards we we did Midnight Soul, of course, uh, which wasn't. I mean, I I like the music of Midnight Soul, of course, because I wrote uh, quite a bunch of that songs. But um, it, it still wasn't the music I wanted to play. And the first time I really played music I wanted to play was Ahab, and I guess that's why we're still existing <laughs> nowadays. <laughs> exactly. It's but you got to go through all these things, like those first bands where you are the best musician in the room but you need all these people because you want to get on stage so you put up with all this garbage <laughs> <laughs> and then you evolve and then you you find that person that did, you know you're a, a cohesive team and you move forward and you grow and you grow uh what do you think uh, cryptopsy right now we're writing a new record and with every new record we try to push the boundaries try to create something new try to evolve the style while remaining true to the cryptopsy sound so how are you you, you mentioned that you guys were about to start recording how do you think doom music is evolving how can you evolve it further well i mean doom is um it's such a vast field of music i mean um For for us, I mean, um, all of our albums were like interpretations of of uh, literature, actually, and uh, books, and everything is is just about like the sea. Um, we started out with Moby Dick, and uh, on the next album, we're gonna play, um, gonna interpret uh, Jules Verne, Twenty um, Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, and. Um, I mean, we have this little problem, like, um, 
of course same same with your band i mean we would like to evolve we like to um, push the boundaries and stuff like that and uh, we, we managed to do that but um, of course we have uh, we have to like incorporate the the uh, the book into our music and i mean um for example um i uh, i had once the idea to uh, like do das boat um i don't know if you know that one um the boat and um music wise um because it's it's all metal stuff and all industrial stuff uh, you needed to uh sound like much more um harsh and much more uh bright and and ringy and just like metal like the metal tubes uh, of the submarines and um we said nah that that's just not the sound we have nowadays and we don't want to go there so we we just put that aside and um now we have this uh submarine style music so um i think it's it still can stay warm and um so so there are some boundaries in our music uh that's set by the book um but still um, i mean on the last album we uh, incorporated some uh jazzy uh tunes on on the um on the drums uh, for example and uh Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the last album was just like a real warm and wide uh, mastering and stuff like that. Um, but then again, I mean, it, it's really hard uh, to like. Um, you mean? I, I mean, if you if you push the boundaries, you don't do it like uh, I'm gonna do that now. It just like happens. You 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 can plan that. You you can of course you can try out everything and. Um, Some sometimes just something happens and you say that's good that that's that's probably where we're gonna go now and um, yeah I, I I can't tell you yet what what the next step is I mean we have like two songs that are almost ready but not yet arranged um, there are some uh, some parts that are still disputed in the band where some some say uh ah that's uh, probably too cheesy and the other one says oh no that's great that's not cheesy at all you know you always have these these little fights uh with your friends uh, in the band but um yeah we'll see what what uh what boundaries can be pushed that's very interesting and it's true that uh As in any relationship, there's always disputes, and uh, everyone wants what's best for the band, and nobody knows your sound better than yourselves, so uh, it's important to trust the gut, and uh, then it ends up becoming a fight of the guts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what I always say in, in many rehearsals is... Uh, we need to be careful to not limit ourselves because uh, I heard this sentence like, this doesn't sound like Ahab. And that's, I, I don't like that sentence because whatever we do, it's going to be Ahab because we're Ahab. And if we write music, it's Ahab. I, I mean, I know what the guys mean, but then again, I'm, um, yeah, I, I keep on saying, uh, I don't want to, like limit ourselves to to like being ahab because the last uh three records sounded like this yeah i mean probably you know that i mean cryptopsy is around like uh, a bit longer than ahab is 
Yeah, yeah. I've been in the band not as long as everything there. And we've gone through many lineup switches, member changes, uh, some genre, still always within the death metal world. But, you know, they never stuck to their laurels. After None So Vile, they went and did Whisper. They could have, I've spoken about this before in the podcast, they could have just put out another None So Vile, but they chose not to. They chose to do something different and uh, turn some fans away, gaining a new fan base while retaining some of the older ones. And then people have like subsequently went back and listened and are a fan of both of them. I had the pleasure of uh, playing None So Vile in its entirety and getting ready for that was interesting and fun. It wasn't my material, but it was interesting to to dive into that. So I'm wondering how when you guys got ready for this Roadburn show and you went and played what became this new CD that just came out live, Pray, uh, how did you guys uh, try to get back into that mind frame? Yeah, I mean, who... Well, actually, we did. We didn't even know that this uh, show was recorded uh, in in Jena back then. Um, and uh, uh, I mean, the Roadburn show was like fucked up by the computer back then because we had this. Uh, um, I think it was some kind of buffer problem of the computer, and we recorded the whole uh, stuff. And afterwards, we knew it. It was just crap. I mean, we couldn't release that. And um, I mean, it was. It was like disappointing that evening on Roadburn because everybody, I mean, I don't know if you know Roadburn that, that well. It's the, one of the coolest metal festivals in the world. Super curated, uh, yeah. eclectic lineup. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and so we were really disappointed because, uh, I mean, it was Roadburn and the computer fucked up and we wanted to like put out a record on this one and it just didn't work out. So, um it was just like a happy coincidence that uh, this this uh, uh, sound engineer just recorded uh, this show in Jena, and um, if we knew, probably we 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 would have played like the whole uh, first album. I mean, one song's missing, but that's just because we didn't have enough time on that evening uh, to play the whole uh, album. And um, after the show, this guy showed up and uh, it's a friend of uh, Cornelius, our drummer, and uh, he just handed over this USB stick and told him, hey, I recorded your show. And he was just like, okay, thank you. And um, cool. And like, I think months months later in, in the rehearsal room, um, Corny was like, hey, my friend here, uh, this guy want, wants to do like a cassette bootleg of, of this show. And uh, we were like, yeah, no problem. We're going to do that. That's great. And then um, things got bigger and bigger. Napalm told uh, Corny to like, uh, yeah, we want to do a vinyl. Uh, we're going to do a CD. And now it's a proper release. And we didn't even... Like know that, uh, so um, it was like a pretty funny thing that that actually. I mean, we're talking now about this album, and it, it was like the official bootleg of a show in Germany. You know? <laughs> so that that's great, and um, people seem to like it. And um, so yeah, that that's the story behind that one. And um, uh, um, well. I need to leave the fame to Cornelius because he did everything on that. Normally, I, I'm I'm the guy like talking to Napalm Records and doing like the the contracts and stuff, and he did that one like on the whole on on um, on himself. So um, great, Corny, that you did that one. That's good, and you know, and everybody needs live music right now. So to get a live record, feel 
I listened to it today, as I mentioned before we started recording, and uh, it feels great to like be immersed into a live performance, even if it's just sonically. I, I truly enjoyed it very much, and, and everyone in the world, of course, is totally missing live performances, so it's something that the world needed right now. So the timing of it couldn't be any better. Yeah, I mean, it it wasn't planned like that, but, um, well, if, if we can help to, uh, like... Uh, uh, like uh, helping people to cope with the like uh, social distancing and stuff like that um, great one last question what is your hangover cure my hangover cure oh well I mean if you grow older the hangovers get longer and longer so um, when I was younger I had like uh, I think but, but it's really weird uh, I had back then I had a cigarette uh, a cherry coke and like um you know this mass bar this chocolate bar that was my uh my hangover uh breakfast back then and uh nowadays i mean um besides i'm not drinking that much anymore um of course when i go out with the with the guys we drink uh quite some beer um but the next day, I think it's it's most of the times it's Indian food, um, much of it, and often that day, and that that's and 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 much much water. So yeah, that that's that's my hangover cue nowadays. Awesome, and I love uh, whenever I'm on tour and I end up getting a crate of good German beers. I can drink a lot of them, and I'll wake up the next morning and not be hungover. And that comes back to the law of purity. Yeah. The law of purity. Yeah. Makes a clean beer, and you can drink a bunch of them. You'll be a bit thirsty. You'll drink a glass of water or two, and then you're like, "I'm okay. I can do my day now." Yeah, yeah but never, never drink a Jägermeister. No, that's always always a bad idea. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> that, that's that's almost for me almost instant headache. Yeah, I, I've, I know. I've learned that over the years to avoid that. <laughs> and also, I mean, it's it's really shitty stuff, actually. <laughs> Oh, Chris, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. Sit down with me, drinking some beer, talking about your life, some metal, this new Live Prey record just came out. Everyone, go check it out. It came out via Napalm Records, and uh, it's a banger, and uh, you should go check it out. So thank you, Chris. I really appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you very much. I think it was one of the best interviews I did. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Super great to meet someone via an interview. I've mentioned this before, but I absolutely do stand by that. It is fun to meet someone via these interviews that I get to do and to just immediately hit it off with them. Uh, Christian is someone that I can see myself going to a craft beer bar and having more conversations with. So when you come through Montreal, if we are ever in the same place, Christian, we are going to hang out. All of you, please go and check out Live Prey. They just dropped that monster of a record back at the end of June via Napalm Records. It is a great album, a great listen, and I highly suggest that you go and do that. I hope you guys have a great weekend. I hope you get to relax. Take it easy. I have some cool stuff coming up next week, something special. I'm not going to announce it just yet, but there's a, a special episode coming up next week, something that is uh, very dear to me and uh, consisting of three guests who are very important to me. So uh, get stoked for that. That's going to drop next Tuesday. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Relax. 
But most importantly, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hopsets. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. <laughs> 